Grace, mercy, and peace are yours this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I command to you a word from our Lord in the revelation of St. John. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, John wrote Revelation as an old man, exiled to an island called Patmos. When he wrote it, most of his friends were already dead. They were martyrs, killed in very creative but awfully painful ways. He's all that's left of the Twelve. Most of his life, he didn't get along with Peter, but I bet he misses him. The old rivalry was fierce, so fierce that John penned an entire gospel referring to himself as the one who Jesus actually loved. <laughs> but I guarantee John still didn't want Peter to go the way that he did. Peter was crucified upside down at his own request because he didn't feel worthy to die the same kind of death as his Lord. The letter that would come to be called Revelation was written to a handful of fledgling churches only in their second generation but already slipping, slipping into heresy, into hatred, into hopelessness. And John just sits there watching, wondering whether or not there will be anybody to carry on what he saw begin on Pentecost. He's an old man waiting to die alone. He's not doing nothing, but he wishes he could do what he used to because John peaked in his time with Jesus Maybe later, when the Spirit penned a gospel through him. Either way, looking forward is pretty much downhill. And about the best he could hope for was not to be martyred. You know, to die an uncreative death. Even while he's stuck so far from where he would rather be. See, I've been kicked out of a few places, but I've never been exiled. I don't know any martyrs just some folks who people were mean to on the internet. My peak, whatever it was or just might be, won't be remembered in a hundred years. There's John and then there's me. But still, I think I can relate to the last apostle because I know what it's like to mourn somebody you love who should be here with you and isn't. We ascribe a lot to our heroes, not just the biblical ones, the ones who have gone before us and just seem larger than life, who seemed to always radiate strength that managed to calm us, love that washed over our tempers and our fears, wisdom and knowledge that always knew what to say or do or even just how to say nothing at all and yet somehow convey everything that needed to be said. Our heroes were there when we needed them. Were. Too many of our heroes are gone. Too many of our problems still aren't. 
And I know what it's like to mourn heroes. I know what it's like to mourn the rest, too. I know what it's like to wrestle with the memory of somebody because maybe you didn't always get along perfect, but you want to remember the best of them somehow. And you're still sure that all that stuff that happened shouldn't have meant that they went like they did. I know what it's like to look around and remember what was, to know what was lost, to worry about what will be and just feel tired. John did a lot of stuff I'll probably never do, but I think I understand what he felt on Patmos. I think too many of us probably do. There is a word for it called despair. It's despairing, John, that was shown the vision of the great multitude. It is despairing, John, that God would use to give us a glimpse, a gift, to guard us against the very same despair that infects heroes and the rest of us alike, a vision that speaks to that quiet pessimism that says, I have peaked, I have lost, and this will only break. John shares his glimpse of a reality outside of the tunnel vision that we get when we mourn and when we despair. And this vision brings hope and light and life. John is taken up to see the heavens and outside of time, even the resurrection of the body on that last great day. John saw the victory, not just Peter and the heroes, but who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? Sir, you know. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is the multitude that no one could number. This is the baptized. This is the church that continued against all of the odds until the very last day to include more than we can count. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Those whom you loved and mourned because they fell asleep in faith. Those who felt the despair and darkness of these latter days. Who are these coming out of the great tribulation? Us. He saw us and wrote about it. Ordinary heroes who have washed our robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Ordinary heroes who God saw fit to pen into the Bible for all generations to see and remember whether or not our names ever cross their lips. You are in the Bible right there. Revelation chapter 7. You are the baptized, washed clean in the blood of the Lamb, brought through the great tribulation and unto glory. Your salvation is so certain that John saw you up there and wrote about it 2,000 years before you were born because this is the power of salvation that our Lord has for you. And this is what sets us apart. This knowledge, this hope, this faith. It lets us treat the despair different. Because the world deals with despair all too predictably. They grasp at false optimism of bumper stickers like fake it till you make it, dance like nobody's watching, live, laugh, love. They craft blame into stones to throw at each other because at least hate hasn't given up and anger doesn't hurt quite as much as sorrow. Christians see despair different. We are called to confess the truth, even if it isn't popular. Never yield it, no matter how crazy it sounds. We are dust, 
to dust we shall return, but Christ is risen from the dead. And that thing that chases our despair away isn't just lying to yourself about things, wishing for what used to be, or finding somebody else to blame it on. It comes from seeing the victory. We answer despair with the God who fought for us. He didn't just smite the enemies that we can't, because that does no good. Heroes do a lot of stuff that I can't do, and it's inspiring to some people, but really, heroes only make me feel more helpless about my own situation, because while they are mighty, I can't do those things. I can't be those heroes. But God would not simply be a hero of old. God would not simply be the one we would live up to his memory of. God didn't ride into Jerusalem on a war horse, make a passionate speech while rousing music played in the background to stir up the emotions and then smite the devil with a sword. He didn't topple corrupt governments and live the happily ever after life, free from worry or death we want. He came to bear our despair, our loss, our fear. He came to cry our tears and conquer our enemies by dying our death. Our Lord bled and died for you upon that cross to bring us out of the great tribulation. And so we will not be bound by death. And we will not be bound by the same feelings or struggles or some measure of how important we are in the grand scheme of things. We are bound by Jesus, who gives us a new identity. Holy ones, saints, the ones brought out of death to life. What we see toppling and in decline, God answers. With a heavenly vision of victory, I know who we are. I know where we stand. We are sheltered in the presence of God, not just someday, but now. Because he has already accomplished these things. He let it all fall down, cried out, it is finished. And then three days later, rebuilt the pieces, bringing us through death unto life with him. He died and rose for you, that you would rise again. That the ones who we mourn, as gone, God would call alive, and more, alive with him. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. These are not far away. These are not gone. They are now. They are here because the very same God comes to us. We eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus that unites us to a victory that endures what we are so afraid might crumble. We call it the communion of the saints, and we mean all of them. This altar goes on farther than you could see to encompass a great multitude that no one could number. Every last one of us clothed together in white robes, washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. God makes himself present here and brings all of heaven along. In his body and blood, for you to eat and drink, he shows up in a meaningful way that brings all of heaven, angels, archangels, and all the company therein, to song. Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabbath. The saints kneel together and sing, and I do mean all of us. 
you are not alone here. You are not alone because God shows up and he drags all of the company of heaven along with him. He drags every last saint back down here that they would be united with you, that even death itself would not separate us. All of us kneel shoulder to shoulder so close that that last enemy death gets ground beneath us into him who brought it into nothing. This is All Saints Day and it is for ordinary heroes. Every last one of us holy not by our doing things that will somehow be remembered in a hundred years and defeating odds the rest couldn't. We are made holy by being united to him who makes us that way by washing us in his blood, who, even as he brought the world to a halt and ripped the sun from the sky and cried out, it is finished to redeem us from sin and death, works the simplest and most beautiful acts of love through us for each other, that makes this day so important to us, that lets us remember, enjoy the saints, that God has worked goodness and love through them, that God has worked holiness therein, love therein, salvation for. We remember. We remember Viola Cadets, and Carl Roberts, and John Grieshaber, and Ray Niekamp, and Roy Lerman, and Donna Travis, and June Wendt. We remember Mark Hagdon, Elaine Henson, and Don Morris. We remember the saints who have gone before us and left holes in our hearts, but still kneel with us right here in the very same faith. We remember them by a cross and an empty tomb. We remember them by a baptism that joins us together in white robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. We remember in a feast that we share, even as it unites heaven and earth. You don't bring anything into this world. And there's a lot you can't take out with you, but some things you can. The most important ones, you will. By Christ's resurrection, by baptism, by faith, you will see your loved ones again. Who are these coming out of the great tribulation? The baptized. Us. We are all saints. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your heart and your mind unto life everlasting. Amen.